This is an Algoa FM news exclusive. So, have we all recovered from the shock announcement that Arnold de Blanche is out on bail? He's certainly adjusting to life outside of prison and now has to deal with load shedding, traffic jams, grocery shopping and parenting. He's even gone to his son's school to attend his gala. An incredibly skinny Arnold has also been seen around the city, shopping at a local pharmacy and having breakfast with his daughter at the mall. I think for a lot of people and in many circles, Arnold is a very well-known face in, in the community. So... You're going to see him around, so you better get used to it. He posted bail of one million rand in cash. Now, that's not bad for someone who, in a sworn affidavit made to police a week after the murder, stated that he was unemployed. Now, I focused so much on Arnold throughout this podcast, but today I want to zone in on accused number two, Dylan Cullis. He's a very important role player in the story. His initial statement to police was crucial in cracking open the case, which ultimately led to the arrest of Arnold. Now, when Cullis was arrested in 2021, police said he was 24 years old. But my investigation found that he had just celebrated his 22nd birthday in prison. So during his arrest, he was 20 and not 24 as stated by police. In fact, Cullis matriculated from Alexander Road High School in Kobecha in 2019. Now, a source who spoke to me on condition of anonymity said he knew Cullis fairly well and always felt that Cullis had the potential to become a problem because there were rumours shortly after he left school that he started using drugs and that he was hanging out with the wrong crowd. In school... Cullis, like many other teenage boys, had his fair share of detention. But it was mostly for being late for school and once for having a hair violation. Now, at the age of 22, he's sitting in jail. In September of 2022, we heard for the first time that Cullis intended to turn a state witness and take a plea bargain in what is called a 105 statement. When the news broke, State Prosecutor Maria Stander said that Cullis's plea and possible sentence agreement would only be decided once the state has had time to study the large volume of WhatsApp messages on his phone and because the cyber laws in the country changed recently. So the state now actually had to apply for a court order first to access the downloaded and the deleted information on the phone. I'm under the impression that this has now been completed and we are all waiting anxiously for Cullis to now officially make his 105 statement. Now, before I explain a 105 statement, I just want to remind you of the charges faced by Cullis as indicated in the very first indictment. He's facing a charge of murder, conspiracy to commit murder, robbery, unlawful possession of a firearm and ammunition, possession of drugs and defeating the ends of justice. So now the state must look at the evidence they have against Cullis and decide what are they going to charge him with and what would be a fair sentence as prescribed by the Criminal Law Amendment Act. So let's recap the state's case against Dylan Cullis. The state says that Leach recruited Cullis and Herrera 
to assist with the murder of Vicky. So that would mean that Cullis was privy to the plan and how it was supposed to play out. According to the investigating officer Connor Swanepoel, Cullis confirmed in his very first statement to police that he also assisted Leach in the search for a firearm to kill Vicky, although it was Leach who eventually obtained the weapon. Cullis also allegedly said he accompanied De Ridder and Leach on the day of the murder to go drink and party and find someone to sell them Percocet tablets that was eventually used to kill Vicky. Now fast forward to later that evening when Vicky was already given the Percocet in a fizzy drink and it was Cullis, according to his own version, who picked Vicky up when she was feeling sick and took her to her son's room where she was ultimately killed, allegedly by Leach. Cullis also claimed to have changed Vicky's clothing after she was dead as she had urinated on herself. Her body was eventually wrapped in her son's duvet before it was placed in the boot of a BMW. Now, having witnessed the murder, Cullis was also allegedly part of the mission to try and get rid of the body. And when they were running out of options, they even took a break at the William Moffat Centre in Kobecha to go go-kart racing while Vicky's body was in the boot of the car. The trio, Cullis, Derrida and Leach, also stole personal belongings from Vicky's home. So that is where the robbery charge comes in. So Leach, being the living boyfriend of Vicky and the one who reported her missing, was questioned first by police. Leach stuck to his story that Vicky was alive and well when he last saw her. He admitted, though, that he was in the company of Cullis and took police to Cullis's home. When Cullis was interrogated by police, he must have cracked and blew the case wide open, not only implicating Arnold Blanche, but also leading police to Vicky's body. Now, I want to remind you that according to the state, the vehicle used by Leach to transport the body was fitted with a tracker device. And therefore, they could see exactly where they were traveling. In fact, the tracker took them right to the spot where Vicky's body was dumped. Now, out of experience, I can tell you that tracker data combined with cell phone data is a deadly benefit for the state. So it's not surprising that Cullis wants to take a plea deal because he kind of admitted to his role in this drama already. I suspect there will be more info in Cullis' 105 plea, and whatever that will be, allegedly has Arnold on edge. I want to remind you of the fact that Arnold allegedly paid bribe money to have Cullis murdered. He also paid money to have someone convince Cullis to retract his initial statement and to furnish a false statement exonerating him. You can catch up on this in episode 7 of this podcast entitled The Friendship. So getting back to the 105 statement, I'm just going to give you a simple explanation to understand how it works. So this is just an example using this case as a reference. So State Prosecutor Marius Stunder will first tell Colors what he's being charged with. I mean, the National Prosecuting Authority might decide to not charge him with murder since he did not actually do the deed. The fact that he was allegedly present and complicit could definitely seem charged with the second one, conspiracy to commit murder, and then the robbery charge, for example. 
So Standard will say, okay, Carlos, I'm going to charge you with conspiracy to commit murder and robbery, but I'll take murder off the table, if that makes sense, for example. Then Standard might say, listen, if you don't take the plea, you will be part of the main trial, and if found guilty, you could get life in prison. I mean, the robbery charge alone has a minimum sentence of 15 years. So let's say, for example, Cullis is being offered either life in prison or 15 years, for which he would be eligible for parole after serving a third of his sentence. Which one would you choose? If Cullis agrees to the terms presented to him by Standard, he will appear in the High Court where he will plead guilty on the chosen charges and he will be sentenced within the parameters of the law and what was discussed with him. Of course, a lot can go wrong with the 105 statement because the judge might not agree with the sentence or the plea agreement. But Standard is a professional and I doubt that he will find himself in such a situation. It will be like a straightforward transaction, for the lack of a better word. Colors gives Standard what he wants and will take his punishment like a man. That really is the best way I can describe it. If the process is completed and accepted by the judge, Cullis will start serving his sentence immediately and will no longer be part of the main trial and will therefore be spared the agony of having to sit in court next to Leach and to Blanche for the next few years. This plea deal should be happening very soon. But if there's one thing I have learned about this case is that nothing is certain and things can change at any minute. That was an Algoa FM news exclusive.